Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, what a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Hallelujah. We are continuing with our series on reflections on intercession um, based on my, my book, Reflections on Intercession, available at Amazon at my author page. Though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, then I am nothing more than a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move a mountain, but I have not love, I am nothing. Though I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, then I gain nothing. Paul wrote those words when uh, to the church in Corinth. In scripture, we find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, salvation aside, prayer is probably the greatest gift given to us from God. I'm talking about uh, some kind of religious uh, uh, obligatory prayer, not the formalized grouping of words that sound moving to the listening audience. I'm, I'm not speaking about the creative stringing together of words, Bible verses, and pleas designed to try and motivate God to do what we want. No, I'm talking about that beautiful communing with God, our Father and Creator. The the, the, the pouring out of one's deep heart and allowing God to fill it back up with something different than what was there. God sent his true son to step out of heaven and into this world to restore us to himself. He then dispatched his Holy Spirit to direct us and help us along our journey. But he also gave us a means to communicate with him. That, that, that says something right there. God wants to be an active participant in our individual lives. How awesome is that? This church I once went to when, when I first became a lover of Jesus had uh, scheduled a revival service, and, and I was new to church stuff, so I had a few questions. My biggest question was, uh, how do we schedule when God will show up? Do we book him for revivals? Uh, I mean, do we call a secretary? Do, is there like a hotline we call and get on his calendar? If a revival was a move of God, decided in time, place, and circumstance by God, how could we plan it? It just didn't make sense to me. And, and I, I said this, and when I asked this question, I was asking it in a, in a sarcastic manner, but... But I really was wondering what they meant, and I can't say that it makes a whole lot of sense to me today either. When a church says uh, we're going to have revival, uh, you know, in the week of August the seventh. I mean, did somebody contact God and make sure that that was His plan? I I just chalk it up to one of those religious expressions we use. It's Christianese. But our revival service, and that's the pastor, when I, when I asked him this, uh, he gave me this like blank stare for a little while. And he says, well, it's a revival service. It's not a, a revival 
It's a service that we're hoping uh, and crying out to God to come, inviting him to do a, to, to, to revive us. So, but I felt it was important that God was a part of this revival service. And, the, and as it was drawing near, um, we began meeting every week for prayer. And I discovered something about these people. They could pray when they wanted to. The same group of people who typically just said religious-sounding prayers came alive in these prayer meetings, and it was fantastic. And for some of them, I imagine, uh, that they prayed this way at home. I don't know. I didn't ask. I'd only heard other people pray in church, and it was always these uh, formal prayers. But in this prayer meeting, they would some of them just really, they came alive. It was fantastic to be a part of a, a group of people pouring our hearts out before God. Wow! And of course, after the revival service, they just kind of reverted right back to the way they used to pray. And I was brokenhearted. I, I, I thought, I've met a group of people that, that I'm a part of. And it's like they came out of the... It reminded me of a, of a teenager today with their little video games in their room and... You know, they, they come out of their room only to raid the refrigerator. And then the, quickly they return back to who they were. You know, but while that prayer time lasted, it did something to me. It, it stoked up an already burning fire, and, and I just couldn't get enough. I needed daily time set aside specifically for this revival. If we we're going to have a revival, we needed God to show up. And if he didn't show up, it surely wasn't uh, going to be because, because I wasn't praying for it. So I decided that every day during my lunchtime, I would go to the church sanctuary and I would pray for this revival. And, and what an awesome plan, or, or so I thought. There were certain great times of, of prayer there. Um, you know, I, 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 I just poured out my heart as I was there. I was no stranger to intimate, heartfelt prayer to God. Um, but this was the first time that I began to, to focus on a, a single subject. The first time I began to labor in prayer, to travail in prayer for something that required more than just a single prayer. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was beginning to step into a new level of prayer, of, of, of a new level of intercession. Something I, I've come to learn in prayer is that God will deal with your junk at the same time as you are praying for other people and circumstances. When you're in this inter, intercession, you cannot uh, 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 carry a box of your own personal junk. It has to get dealt with. You may find yourself shocked to learn that when God wants to deal with your life in the midst of intercession, he, <laughs> this this is one of the keys of effective prayer, work with God. God has something he wants to deal with in your personal box of junk while you're in the middle of interceding, then let him deal with it. Don't try to table it and put it up in your closet, your spirit closet, and in that box and put it away. 
No. So here's here here's here I am. I'm on my knees. I'm in the middle of the sanctuary. I'm just crying out to God that we desperately need him to manifest himself in this revival so that people would see his greatness and become in love with him. The words pour out of my mouth and then I just said, I will do, Lord, whatever it takes for you to manifest yourself in this revival service. Pretty awesome thing to say in prayer, isn't it? Isn't it awesome how we usually do not realize how how uh, uh, the impact of the deals that we're making with God? I don't know about you, but sometimes this stuff just comes out of my mouth and I never really uh, think about it uh, until the end. Um, and and <laughs> I'll never forget that moment. I prayed and I remember clearly saying those words. But I prayed and I prayed and I just poured out my heart and I concluded my time in prayer at the church. I needed to get back to work. So I, I stood up, I turned around, I headed for the sanctuary doors and it, at the front of the church. So I walked down that aisle, wore out from the praying. I was just, my body was physically exhausted, but I was filled with such delightful joy at being so near to God, like just couldn't get bad at all. And as my hand reached out to take a hold of the door handle, God spoke clearly to me. It was just a gentle sound in my spirit, not that resounding sound of his audible voice that shakes every fiber and cell in your body and with his resonating power. But, but even with a whisper, he can seize your attention. And in that moment, his words brought me to a standstill when he said, I want you to tell your wife about your affair. And I was frozen. My vow to God echoed in my ears, I will do whatever it takes, whatever you want me to do for you to manifest yourself in this revival service. I didn't see that one coming. Now, don't get too bent out of shape. Let's put it in pr the right perspective. This affair happened before I, I gave my life to God. It was before I was a believer. And uh, uh, in those days... My wife and I had a pretty open marriage um, as long as we communicated with each other what was going on. This instance was something that wasn't communicated to her, and it was something I did, you know, behind her back when she wasn't looking, and it was before I was a believer. And today obviously as a believer i live by different standards in life and and why is this important now um is is what kept going through my mind i'm like this happened before and i can still remember driving home i sat down i got home i didn't want to tell her this waffling but finally i had to tell her and i tell told her and I asked her if she would forgive me. And her answer was, I will never forgive you. And she walked up, uh, stood up and walked up out of the house. All I could think when she said that was God. How can you restore my marriage when this has just shattered it? 
Why did this have to be brought out to the light now? We'll pick this up the next time we get together. In the meantime, be blessed and be the blessing. Hallelujah.